as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. Morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez. Regular update on sales tax performance in the area. That would be retail sales performance in the area. Matt Roosjack from COSTEP, their economic development office, takes a look at the numbers. So what are you serving up today, Matt? Well, I'm serving up today the July report, fresh of the press, and those are the June, I'm sorry, the May sales uh, for this year. Okay. What's the uh, trend of late? What do you got? Yeah, the, the trend is pretty strong. You know, we continue having very positive reports. Uh, things are definitely moderating. That doesn't mean that they're going down, but they're definitely no longer the bonkers numbers we were really talking about last year. Um, and it's kind of been a steady trend where, 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 where numbers are, are stabilizing. So I'll give you some reference points. Um, the state of Texas as a whole for the month was up 13.98%, and year-to-date is up 16.39%. Um, the valley as a whole um, is just a smidge behind that. Uh, the valley as a whole for the month was up 8.02%, and year-to-date up 14.08%. Uh, our long-time listeners will know that our 2021 was significantly stronger, or several percentage points uh, stronger than the state. And so, like I said, the numbers are moderating. I think things are balancing out again. Uh, in the individual counties, uh, number, the numbers are quite steady as well. Uh, let's look at the two main counties, uh, Cameron County up 8.01% and Hidalgo County up 8.21%, so kind of in line, and right at the RGV number, which was up 8.02%. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, remarkable things that we see here uh, is probably the, the continued strength of the large communities uh, Brownsville up 10.51%, McAllen up 8.41%, That's good. Wow. and Edinburgh up 7.91%, so very, very steady. Uh, the one thing that stuck out to me on the negative side, which, which, is, which I thought was quite intriguing, is South Hydra Island had its first down month in a long time. Hmm. Well, I think going all the way back to 2020, they were off 5.24%. Now, that is not at all a reason to panic. For the reason that South Padre has had a phenomenal two years, and at some point in time the math just catches up with you when you do the calculations. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but those numbers are really continuing quite strong. So overall, like I mentioned, a good report. If we look at the month performance, comparing uh, in this case sales in May 2022 to May 2021, 36 out of 44 communities in the Valley were up year over year. 29 out of the 44 were up over 5%, which is very nice. And 7 out of the 44 were up over 20%. Wow. Uh, once again, very strong numbers, very something good about, but no longer you know, the bonkers number where you know 30 were up four, over 20% year over year that we saw last year. Things are definitely moderating. Just a quick observation before I punt it over to Tim, uh, guys. Matt Roosjack from COSTEP, Economic Development Arm. He gives us the regular numbers on sales um, sales in the area, retail sales, um, based on the uh, sales tax that we collect. So South Padre for the month of May this year compared to previous year, down about 5% yeah. and change. I wonder if that's an indication, mm-hmm. or since it was May numbers going into the summer, an uh, indication mm-hmm. that perhaps people were getting ready to leave town instead of staying in the valley to do some shopping. They were getting ready to go to, you know, to touristy places. Yeah, you know, I love that comic because I kind of had the same feeling because when I look at the numbers for the state, right, the state was up 14% roughly. When you look at the big cities in the state, you see some of that effect, particularly kind of the, the central and south Texas area, even north Texas as well. So take a look. Houston was up 10.99%, respectable, but Austin was up a whopping 19.3%. Dallas was up 14.94%. And Fort Worth was up 24.81% for the month. 
Um, and so those big cities are driving the, the state numbers okay. up. Um, and I think you're exactly right. I think folks are now, you know, back again venturing into the bigger crowd. Going somewhere else. Uh, yeah. and, and we're seeing that in the numbers. Okay. Uh, Matt Roosjag from Costap joining us on the Morning News. Yeah, Matt, uh, good morning. Tim Sullivan here. That's an interesting observation. I was going to ask, and I guess what, what you just said may kind of debunk this question, but, but locally, anyway, is the mm-hmm. ongoing coronavirus pandemic, the increasingly contagious variants that are now spreading, is that keeping us in the Valley a little wary again of going out to shop? Could, could that be one reason for the moderation of the numbers? Um, I'm not sure. You know, to this, these are definitely uh, um, discretionary sales, right? Because this is taxable sales. So this is not your groceries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if I'll go that far. Okay. Uh, you know, anecdotal observation. I haven't seen too much less traffic in places that I usually go to to take a look what's going on. Yeah, no, me neither. Um, I do see more. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I see more people wearing masks, which is probably a positive thing. Yeah. Uh, considering the circumstances, but uh, I don't think so. I think it overall is, you know, on the numbers themselves, the math is catching up. Once again, we had a very good 2020, all things considered, and we had absolutely stellar 2021. You know, for just for reference point, um, comparing May 2020 to May 2022, the value as a whole is up 30.63%. And year-to-date numbers, so that, that reporting period, 2020, reporting period 2022, we're up 37.58 percent. So by not stretch of the imagination, do we stop spending money or going out there? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think you know maybe people are often a little bit more cautious, but I think they're still definitely spending money. I think it's more the math catching up. We had such big growth that at some point in time, the the big number from last year becomes the baseline for this year, and it becomes harder to once again exceed it by 20 percent plus. Due to just the um, current economic conditions, then, do you see the moderation continuing? I, th- I think so. Uh, I, I think that that is a kind of an effect. I, by no one such of the imagination do I foresee like a recession and, oh my God, the numbers will start dropping. I don't see any indication in numbers that that's, that's anywhere on the horizon. Uh, but uh, I do see that, you know, the, the, the sales performance is starting to approach kind of inflation level, right? The growth performance. Um, and so I think that people might, you know, look at their spending habits and become a little more conservative, which hopefully uh, will also have some of the effect of reducing the inflationary pressures. Uh, so I think that that's not possibly there. Uh, but like I said, a, a major drop of the recession, nothing in the numbers that, that makes me feel in any form or fashion that that's on the horizon. We've got about a minute left, Matt. Matt Roosjack from COSTEP, the economic development arm over COSTEP. He joins us on a regular basis to look at sales performance in the area. Uh, two numbers I'm looking for, Mercedes and Harlingen. Mm-hmm. How did those two uh, do in sure. the most recent report? So Mercedes, for the month, was up 9.25%, and for the year is up 25.31%. Wow. Harlingen, for the month, was up 5.28%, and for the year is up 8.7%. Good for them. Uh, so both quite good. Mercedes stronger than Harlingen, but you know Mercedes is on that care to come back from the from the declines of 2020. Do you have the San Antonio number there? You gave me Houston, Austin, Dallas, uh-huh. Fort Worth. San Antonio, Absolutely. how are they doing? Yeah, yeah. San, San Antonio for the month up 7.95%, so in line with the Valley number. Okay. And for the year up 16.29%, so just a smidge stronger than the Valley All number. Right. Yeah, with the Houston numbers at almost 11%, Austin almost at 20, 15 for Dallas, and yep. 25 for Fort Worth. Yeah, that's an indication of people definitely traveling out of town now. Uh, for the summer. We'll see what the June numbers say on the next report. Thank you, Matt. Uh, Matt Ruschak from Coastet. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids are running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app 
or 710-KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710-KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. Andrea Hans is executive director of the Texas Shrimp Association. Andrea, it's a pleasure meeting you by phone. I understand you got another season up and running. How big is the industry in Deep South Texas, Andrea? Well, our, our industry is uh, fairly large. Um, we we bring in the majority of the shrimp uh, throughout the, all of Texas ports. Okay. And throughout the Gulf of Mexico, just to give you some numbers, um, there's there's about seven. No, it's about nine hundred and fifty uh, fishing vessels, and Texas is home to about five hundred and fifty of those. So okay. we're, we're a pretty good sized industry. Okay. Although we're hit with so many difficulties this season, I, I'm not exactly sure if, if that number is going to dwindle a little more. Unfortunately. Is the uh, number one problem on that list fuel? Is that the number one problem? Yeah. So, so right now we have a couple. We have about three different crises going on. There's the the first crisis is fuel. Um, you have to understand that you know when we're paying a you know four twenty or four fifty for diesel, um, most of these boats um, that would cost us about a hundred thousand dollars to fill up for about Oof. a sixty day trip. And most people just don't have that kind of deep pockets, nor would they send their boat out without being insured with that much fuel on there. So our boats have actually been tied up um, all year, which is sad. And, you know, then that leads to our other, actually, it's our number one issue right now is uh, a labor shortage. And um, we just cannot find anybody to work on these boats. And then we got stripped from the uh, uh, HGB visa program and where that works so well for us because experienced shrimpers or fishermen come up from mexico or honduras or wherever okay. they're experienced they get on our boat they get off they get paid a, a heck of a wage and pay taxes they go home and we do it all over again but that's been stripped from us and we've been lobbying for that for about eight years all right um and you know as some of these boats are going to remain tied up i just pulled into the port this morning and usually there may be one or two boats left um tied up the rest are out fishing um yeah start today the 15th Mm -hmm. um but there's a lot of boats in here and i understand that these boats are tied up right now because they cannot find a crew to to operate the boat oh my goodness Um, yeah so that's going to be kind of our demise right there is um is a labor shortage and it's not going to get any better unfortunately mm-hmm. um so we're not exactly sure what we're going to be able to do with that we just lobby every year to congress to try and help us out to get some foreign workers over here before um, before i yeah, lob it, season. before i lob it over to tim i gotta ask you how long does it take to become an experienced shrimp boat crew member fish you know fishing hand well most of these guys will not hire somebody unless they've been out on a boat for at least six months it, because what we found is when we put somebody inexperienced on a fishing vessel that's going out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico in a rough body of water, we're the, uh, I think, number two most dangerous industry in the United States. Um, there's so many safety issues on that boat, you know, whether you get caught up in the, the uh, winch or fall over or what. But, um, you know, we just can't put somebody inexperienced on that boat. And that's what, the point we've been trying to get across. But I have so many people call and email me going, hey, you're taking away American jobs. No, we're not. We can't find anybody with experience. Yeah. And when you do put somebody on there without experience, there's less than a 1% retention rate. That guy or lady wants off the boat within a week. Um, you know, and unfortunately, we may be fishing over in Galveston or Louisiana, and we have to turn that boat around. It cost us a couple thousand in fuel and four to six thousand in loss of production to bring that person back. Wow! So, yeah, and last I checked, yeah. uh, over at San Jacinto College or here in Texas Southmost College, I don't think they have a course uh, for uh, training people to become uh, shrimp boat uh, fishermen. Uh, <laughs> Andrea Hans joining us, executive director of the Texas Shrimp Association. Andrea, Tim Sullivan here. Um, sticking on the issue of the labor shortage, if you could elaborate a little bit more. I mean, why, why is this labor shortage so uh, so prominent and, and long-lasting? When did it begin, and, and what's needed to resolve it? 
Okay, so about uh, seven, maybe eight years ago, there was uh, language in a piece of legislation that allowed for what we call a returning worker exemption. In other words, a worker could come back every year, work for the same employer. They're qualified. They're they're uh, they know what you know how to handle the boat. Um, Congress stripped that language. So now there's no returning worker exemption. And the main reason for that is, you know, there's a cap of uh, 66,000 workers that are allowed in the country every year. Well, the returning worker doesn't count toward the cap. So now that that's gone and we've been lobbying for it forever. Well, who um, initiated that bill and why in the first place? Well, and, and I'll be honest with you, that was probably before my time here that 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 returning worker language and this particular program has been around for years. We've utilized that program since day one for you know, 25, 30 years. So for these guys not to have any workers right now, and, you know, we've had people come by going, hey, let's set up a training course. You cannot technically train somebody to go out on these boats, um, it, it, mainly because you, you really have to grow up in this industry. Yeah. You have to love uh, being out, you know, you're going to have to be away from your family for 45 or 60 days. These right. folks stay out a long time. And it's hard work, and they work in a rough body of, of water. And it's just, you, you almost have to have salt water in your veins growing <laughs> up in order to um, sustain a, you know, a, a living out on the boat. And, and, and we're what's called a graying industry, uh, meaning, you know, our captains, our crews, everybody in this industry, unfortunately, is aging. And there's not any new people coming in to take their place. And I, I know that that goes across, you know, in the ag industry itself. But um, our job, our industry is so unique. And, and what we're technically lobbying for, we don't use hardly any visa workers. We don't even show up on the pie chart. So we use like less than maybe um, a thousand in the state of Texas. And I think that many people probably crossed the, the Rio Grande that day, to, you know, <laughs> in a day to come over to find work, but it's sad because our industry, it could be fixed. This issue could be fixed so easy. And, um, you know, Congress just doesn't seem to get it, you know, they understand it, but they're up against the, the huge uh, union lobbying groups, and we just can't compete with that. Have you already, have you had the traditional blessing of the fleet yet? Well, you know, unfortunately, uh, we passed on that this year because, oh. Uh, you know, nobody. We really need the Pope down here this year. This is probably one of the years. That we really <laughs> but yeah, things just didn't work out for us this oh. year for the blessing of the fleet. Um, there's just kind of one issue after the other, and and I'll be honest with you, these guys are so beat down. They know they're gonna. The only reason they're sending these boats out right now, to be honest with you, is in order for them. We need to pay our crew a little bit because just think now that we have these U.S. citizens that's been working for us for a long time. Uh, my boats, uh, I have two boats. We've had the same crew for maybe 10 years, which is almost unheard of. But we have to take care of these guys. Um, so just think, these guys haven't been able to work um, since probably January. So some of us, are, you know, we're having to front the money to keep them going, but we don't want to lose them. No. Um, because, you know, then you go, you're, we're in a double crisis now. We can't get foreign workers, and, and yeah. we're losing our U.S. workers. Yeah. So. That's why this year it's just going to be tough, and, and, and we're really just hoping we make a little money yeah. so the crew gets paid, because the boat owner's not going to get all make I, a profit. Andrea, all I want to know is how much more am I going to pay for my shrimp, my shrimp cocktail? Because right. <laughs> you, uh, you well, every year you deal hey, with a foreign competition yeah. in I'm that as well, honest right? with you, as long as you're eating you know, a sustainable, wild-caught Gulf product, uh-huh. um, you, may pay a, you may pay a couple dollars more, but it's really worth it in the end. You're not going to want to eat that imported stuff that comes in there. You know, the Agreed. United States is termed the dumping ground yeah. for shrimp. So mm. the shrimp that gets destroyed in other countries because of the quality, it gets shipped to the United States and it ends up on y'all's All plate. right. Andrea, best of luck to you Thank this you. Uh, thank, thank you for you. the time. We wish you the best. Andrea Hans, Executive Director of Texas Shrimp Association. Your Houston Astros play here. And he drives this one up the middle. That's a base hit. Catch Astros baseball action all season long on News Talk 710-KURV. Deep to left field. Kiss it goodbye. Every hit. Every home run. First pitch and he drives it. Left field. Good one. It's out of here. 
Astros Baseball is powered by F&T Valley Motorsports, Riverside Development Services, Taco Olay, MissionIncredible.com, and News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. In the event there's a tropical system in the Gulf of Mexico churning this way, you want to keep it tuned to 710 KURV. Stay informed during hurricane season. Tropical coverage 2022 on air and online at KURV.com. Made possible by Mike's Plumbing, Electrical, and AC, Vega Roofing, McAfee Insurance, and Elephant Building Materials. Port of Brownsville update. The director of our port is Ed Campidano. Ed, welcome back. My goodness, we got so much news to talk about. Let's start with uh, next decade announcing a new contract, I think, it was with China Gas. Let's start there. Okay. Good morning. Uh, Good morning, brother. Good to be back. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, that announcement was made uh, uh, really uh, last week, and uh, I will tell you that uh, you know, obviously, we're on the lookout for more announcements, but that puts us one step closer. That puts them one step closer to achieving their goal of uh, being able to uh, um, uh, pull the trigger on the first two trains of the project. And when I say trains, these are, I guess you could say, production units. Uh, each of them would be designed to produce 5 million tons of, of, of LNG. And so when you talk about uh, the first two trains, that means 10 million. So that's their goal, and they're inching closer and closer to uh, to attaining this. It's goal. really good news to hear that you know this prospect is this potential suitor in the next decade setting up LNG distribution to the planet is you know setting up customers, setting up the the, the deals in order to to sell this and, and and export. How many more do you think they need? would like to see before they say, okay, final investment decision well, is here. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. We're building. Well, they want to they want to reach that 10 million uh, uh, ton goal. And so they're essentially, I, I think they're at right now, they're probably around seven, seven and a half. So they're not far from it. You know, one more, one more agreement would do it if, uh, if they do it. I know they're working hard, uh, um, you know, not only in, in Asia, but in Europe as well. And, uh, you know, we hopefully will expect the, uh, you know, more more announcements shortly. Uh, if you think about it, you know, their first announcement was about two years ago, and then uh, they've made four deals in in relatively short period of time. You go back to, uh, you know, in four and six months. Uh, so they're making progress. Okay. And obviously the uh, of the situation in Ukraine, um, uh, the Europeans, as, as well as the Asian markets are continuing to uh, um, um, uh, need uh, uh, an alternate to coal and yeah. alternate to dirtier burning fuels and LNG, and is is going to be it until uh, we find that bridge to be able to move away from fossil fuels. Was well, next decade closing more deals and setting up more customers to finally open up, set up and open up that LN, LNG distribution node in Browns. How about the other suitor? Are they also closing deals, uh, lining up, lining up customers? <laughs> They are working uh, towards uh, towards that end. I, I know they're active in the market. They haven't announced any any deals. Uh, the, their biggest announcement, most recently, which is a significant announcement, is uh, the selection of their um, uh, ener- uh, their EPC, what they call, and that is their engineering, planning, and construction. So these are the folks that are actually putting the project together. Would be execute on construction and delivery. So that was a big announcement. I know they're they're. They're gearing up to, to to you know have a greater presence here, and so uh, all of that you know they've indicated they too have a goal to make FID before the end of the year. So that's that's another good excellent, sign. excellent FID final investment decision, and, and that's the press release that we're looking for because that represents a confirmation of billions of dollars in private sector investment and LNG node at Brownsville. Ed Campinano is director of our Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville. Mr. Campinano, Tim Sullivan here. So a big milestone occurred uh, just recently as well regarding the port's long-awaited dredging project. A big agreement signed. When does the project begin? Well, technically, the project has begun. Uh, There's a 
you know, there's two phases to the project. There's the announcement uh, with the execution, what we call the project partnership agreement, was on phase two with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and obviously uh, uh, the U.S. government. Uh, that project, uh, be, both projects actually begin with the preparation of the disposal sites, what we call the dredge material placement areas. Those have to be prepared. Uh, essentially, the levees have to be raised. Uh, and that is designed to when you do start the dredging, you have enough capacity to place that material. So that's where the project begins. And on phase two, uh, we, we are beginning that process as we speak. Okay. Uh, the goal is to see actual dredging uh, begin uh, after the first of the year. Okay. Uh, I know that uh, on phase one, uh, uh, next decade um, already has a contractor in place. Uh, once they make FID and uh, also be looking to pull the trigger on um, initiating the work on the contract on phase one of the dredging. And we are working directly with the Corps on phase two. The Corps has a goal of, of issuing um, uh, and uh, securing uh, the service as a dredger um, by July of 23. So there we're looking at a year to start. But once it starts, it's a continuous project and it's going to take about three years to get this thing done. So uh, yeah. it's uh, it's uh, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Well, would this have happened now if not for funding from the Biden administration's, you know, big infrastructure initiative? Yeah. You know, one of the things about this project is kind of being done out of the traditional model. You know, the traditional model is, is really like 75% federal and 25% non-federal. And most of the funding is, is, is authorized and appropriated by Congress. And that's why so few of these projects get done, because one, a lot of money, um, you know, they have to be uh, authorized, then they have to have a congressional appropriations. This particular project was different. Uh, you know, you've heard us talking about this P3 initiative where we have actually not only a private sector partner, we have a federal partner in the port. So that P3 uh, is different. And what makes this funding is that it did not come through the traditional model of having Congress appropriate the funds directly for yeah. it. This money came out of the JOBS Act. Um, you know, that was that trillion dollar uh, investment uh, infrastructure uh, bill package that was passed in 2021. And so the second round of that funding was issued in March of this year and contained within that second round of funding for capital improvements was $68 million towards phase two of the project. And that's what really has created this acceleration of let's get this thing going. So we were very fortunate in that respect. This is the first P3 project ever done on a navigation project. So here's another first for the Port of Brownville and the BIH project. What's the difference between 42 and 52 feet um, economically? Uh, it is significant. Uh, I will tell you that, you know, there, there, there is this adage that, you know, every, every inch, of, uh, every inch of, of draft equals to about 200,000 tons of additional cargo mix. So when you begin to look at, you know, 10 feet and the impact of that, you know, that is significant. You know, it's not about the future so much as it is even the present. We have customers today that want to be able to ship more cargo by volume, and that requires more draft. And simply put, you know, that becomes more efficient for them. Uh, it also speaks to navigation safety. And so, uh, yes, it's important for the future. It's sustainable. It sustains the port into the future, and we can address new industry. We have, obviously, the LNGs coming into the port, uh, but it also addresses the current need of our existing customers that want to grow right along with us. And so it is It is very important. Uh, just on our steel, you know, we're going to see incremental increase from two years ago that we did about or 3 million tons of steel to almost doubling that by 2024. And so that deepening project is going to be critical to be able to serve that customer. And and see that incremental growth right along with the channel development and everything else that's going on. Ed Campinano, director, Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville, our guest. With all that dredging, Chief, what happens to all that stuff? What do you do with all that stuff? Where do you put it? It goes into these dredge uh, uh, material placement areas that I was talking. The port owns significant acreage. It's actually mo It's all located on the south side of the ship channel. 
And we have literally hundreds of acres that have been set aside for this purpose. And that that has to be uh, maintained for maintenance dredging. You know, whenever we have to come in and clean out and the material has to be placed somewheres, uh, it also any deepening or the improvements to the project. So all of those sites are uh, necessary for the purposes of executing on this upcoming project. And so we have to have enough capacity. I believe we're talking anywhere between 15 to 17 million cubic yards of dredge disposal that will be uh, coming out of this project that will be put into those. So we have to have those ready to go. You also have offshore dispersal. A lot of that would be more of the work that's going to be done at the jetties and offshore. Beach uh, renourishment is projects? Sand. Is that kind of what Beach you're talking Beach renourishment about? Is, uh, has been discussed for this project, obviously, for not only Cameron County, but for the town of South, the city of South Padre Island. So, hmm. you know, that's another avenue. But the majority of it, especially when you get into the interior, is not suitable for beach renourishment. Hmm. So that has to be placed outside of of the channel and put into these uh, uh, placement areas. i got about a minute left, Chief. Phase 2 Brazos, it complements the potential arrival of LNG, right? Yes, it does. Okay. In fact, uh, you know, we couldn't have done it uh, without being able to package uh, the private sector investment of next decade, obviously the federal investment and the ports investment. We couldn't have done it for this Phase two and the $68 million without having that significant partner at the table. Chief, thank you for the update. Ed Campidano, Director, Rio Grande Valley Port of Brownsville. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have a multiple In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710KURV and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710KURV only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. Mr. Walthoff, Matt Walthoff, is president of the blossoming Driscoll Children's Hospital there on the DHR campus in Edinburgh and McAllen. Matt, it's a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on KURV. We see the brick and mortar going up real quick. Are you guys on schedule as far as construction? Good morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. We are, we are uh, you know, there, with any construction project, there's there's always some delays, but we feel like we're on target for, for being open and seeing our first patient in a year from now. So wow. uh, we're, we're shooting for mid-year 2023 to open our doors. Okay, and between here and there, lots of equipment that needs to go in there and lots of people that you need to hire. So I, I saw – the reason I called you guys up at Driscoll was because I, I saw um, a write-up somewhere that you guys were – still hiring, pushing to hiring more nurses. So tell me about the effort to hire nurses and then also specialists, other people that you need to populate at the hospital. Yeah, absolutely. Just like any ground up, you know, hospital being built from the ground up, we're going to, we're going to need a, a, you know, a full team of, of multidisciplinary special specialties and, and nurses and techs and respiratory therapists and, and the whole gamut of healthcare professionals. But uh, we are actively recruiting and hiring and you can, find our, uh, our our openings on the on our website at driscollchildrens.org uh, but um, you know we're, we're hiring uh, specialty nurses right now particularly we're looking for OR and ER nurses and uh, and then as we get closer to opening we'll open up additional uh, support personnel and and all of the again all the staff that required to, to run a, a, fr- a freestanding you know children's hospital um, we are also uh, recruiting physicians, and, and, you know, we'll continue to do that over the next several years as we grow our subspecialty base here in the, uh, in the Rio Grande Valley and, and provide better access to care for, for all of our kids here in the Valley. So uh, doing a lot of recruiting, 
uh, both internally, you know, in, in, in the in the valley and externally, and trying yeah. to, to, you know, recruit talent uh, and, and particularly you know new physicians from uh, other parts of the country that are you know that are pediatric subspecialists. So we're real excited about it. We're going to have you know approximately 500 uh, new jobs to to the market. Matt Walthoff is president of Driscoll Children's Hospital. It's quickly going up there at the. Edinburgh McAllen DHR campus external versus local recruitment of all these pediatric specialties and and even on the nurse side pediatric nurses I I would imagine that creates a, a unique challenge my suspicion would be you're probably going to have to import a lot of people uh, with pediatric specialties you know yes and no we've got a lot of we've got a lot of talent here in in the valley and and a lot of uh, nurses that are passionate about taking care of kids. Um, you know, we've uh, a lot of the uh, the DHR pediatric staff will, will be coming to work for us as as they exit pediatrics and we take over pediatrics for for you know there you go. Uh, for for uh, the you know in our in our relationship with DHR and uh, and we are freestanding uh, separately licensed uh, children's hospital. So you know we're um, we'll be the ninth. Uh, designated uh, children's hospital in the in the in the state and a thirty not in the thirty ninth designated children's hospital uh, in the nation and, and so That's uh, you're right wow. it, it is a unique challenge but but I think we what we found is that there are you know there's that group of healthcare professionals that are that are just passionate and dedicated to taking care of children and very excited about being part of something new from the ground up. Didn't realize that designation was quite unique. Children's designated hospital. I wonder if you you picked up on that, people. Ninth in Texas will be based right here at Edinburgh McAllen. 39th in the country, only the 39th in the country. Children's designated hospital going to be located uh, right here. Is there any unique research or never-before-seen equipment that will be brought to South Texas as a result of this new shiny facility? Well, one of the things I'd like to, to, to point out is that, you know, Driscoll Children's has been serving the Rio Grande Valley for a long, long time. And we have clinics in, in Brownsville, uh, Harlingen, and McAllen, where we fly subspecialists, subspecialists down on a daily basis to see kids here at home. And, and so this is just kind of the next step for us in terms of uh, providing that care here at home and on the inpatient side. Uh, and, and, yes, to answer your question, there will be there's there's a lot of research that that goes on in our at our home campus in Corpus Christi, um, and and that will be extended to the valley, uh, and and things like we have a, I think the prime example is we have a partnership with Texas A and M in Corpus Christi, uh, that is the uh, Institute for Hispanic Health, and it was formed I think about five years ago, um, and it it is uh, it's a research organization again a partnership with Texas A and M to focus on. Uh, you know the the, the uh, conditions and 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 uh, you know medical uh, complexities of our population in you know in in South Texas and so a lot of research going on there a lot of oncology research we work you know we plan on working closely with the local oncologists here in the market and and continuing the the great work they're doing and and doing uh, a lot of clinical trials uh, in in the oncology field as well so. You know, I think to answer your question, yes, there's going to be a, a lot of new research going on here at home in the valley, and and really, what's the, the beauty of that is that the our kids are no longer going to have to travel to to get access to yeah. some of those you know those clinical studies um, or or that specialized care. So that's really our goal at the end of the day is to to, to really uh, make sure that we try to keep our families and kids here in the valley and and give them access to the highest level of care and the newest and greatest protocols uh and and really you know again take that burden away from those families to have to travel to corpus christi uh or to houston or Mm -hmm. san antonio or wherever they may be going Uh, and for the most part you know being a freestanding designated children's hospital we're obligated to to provide all of those subspecialty services and all of the things that, that for the most part, that uh, children travel for today to get access to in other markets. So, um, so that's what really makes us unique is, you know, the, the way that, uh, that we're structured as a designated children's hospital, uh, there's additional requirements uh, for resources and, and infrastructure, uh, and that, that comes with additional reimbursement to, to help, you know, compensate us for that. So 
so we'll be able to, to provide those things here at home. All right. Matt Walthoff is president of our uh, Blooming Driscoll Children's Hospital. The hospital is being developed right there at the campus at DHR. Last time we spoke about this on here, we had an extensive conversation with Eric Hammond, your colleague up in Corpus. So you're now leading the charge down here. How long have you been on the job, on the payroll, uh, doing the president thing for Driscoll here in the yeah. Valley? I joined Driscoll back in December of, of last year. Uh, so, you know, I'm going on uh, just over okay. over six months or seven months. Overseeing and, all this. Uh, I'll tell you, Driscoll is a, is a wonderful place to work for. It's, 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 it's history is fascinating in South Texas and was, was formed by, a, you know, a South Texas visionary uh, by the name of Clara Driscoll, who was a, a, a rancher and a businesswoman and uh, left her entire estate to uh, dedicated to taking care of kids all over South Texas. So we've continued, yeah. that, continued that legacy. I, I've, it's been a real honor. The next question might, well, it is self-serving. <laughs> it's for me. Look, uh, you were mentioning subspecialties and some of these obscure treatments and never before seen research down here. I know Driscoll Children's does a cystic fibrosis thing up in Corpus. Uh, might all of your subspecialties and services eventually uh, come down here where I don't have to drive to uh, San Antonio or Corpus for my kid for a cystic fibrosis stuff? Might you open up an, an office down here for all that testing and everything else? You know, th- those are those are the things that we're still working through. And, yes, yeah. I mean, again, our goal is to, to really – uh, prevent you know you having to take you know your children to to these other to, to Corpus or, or to um, you know to San Antonio and 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 so yeah I mean I, that that, right. that may not all of these services may not be intact on day one but the long term goal is to provide well, all those same services here well, and, and so uh, so yes yeah absolutely and and we want to important wanna thing is that to- you land <laughs> have a good landing and open yeah, up let's get started all right absolutely. Uh, Matt, it's a pleasure. Best of luck to you in opening things up uh, within a year. Matt Walthup, president of Driscoll Children's Hospital, Edinburgh McAllen at the DHR campus. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio. Our guest is Corey Pena, the leader of the Brownsville Community Improvement Corporation. Congratulations, Corey, and thank you for joining us on KURV. So let's uh, start there with BCIC and tell working folks right now, what does your specific arm of community improvement and economic development, what, what do you do for Brownsville, Corey? Good morning, and thank you for uh, having me on here. You bet. Um, <laughs> it's a pleasure. So what BCIC does is uh, we are the second arm of economic development for the city of Brownsville. The, uh, the other arm is the Great Brown, uh, GBIC, the Greater Brownsville Incentive of the Corporation. So for us, uh, for being a type D EDC, um, we focus um, not only on primary source of quality life investments, but also engage in other economic development projects um, you know, our philosophy is to invest in the human capital of our community and to ensure everyone can succeed in education, entrepreneurship, business development, and have a great quality of life. So our current programs, initiatives, and incentives are aligned to focus on investment in small business development, our entrepreneurship, quality of life projects, downtown revitalization, and job creation that define the economic de- role that we serve in order to make our community more competitive. Tell us about your background. I know you've been behind the scenes there at Brownsville for a while. Tell folks what you've been doing. Well, I've been with BCIC for almost 12 years. Mm. So with that, before I uh, landed the role of, you know, project coordinator 12 years ago, I was with the Hollingen Chamber of Commerce. So I was with them for over five years. Yeah, with over- So I have about seven- years of uh, economic development experience. Yeah, they're in, in Cameron County, and t- uh, 12 of those 
with BCIC. Man, time goes by real quick. My goodness, I didn't realize we were over a decade now with BCIC. So you're working hand-in-hand, I would imagine, with complementing recruitment efforts for the city of Brownsville, right? Because things are changing quickly in Brownsville right now. I would imagine you get a call say, hey, Corey, uh, can we work on these projects? Because this quality of life issue might help us, you know, find a close a deal with someone. That's right. And what's great about, you know, City of Brownsville and GBEC and ourselves, you know, we each fill in a certain gap um, for the city. So while uh, GBEC um, does your traditional economic development, so they recruit and retain, you know, your larger employers, um, we focus more on our small business entrepreneurs because they are the heart of, uh, of every community. So we want to make sure that we support the startups, um, and scalability of these small businesses. Corey Pena, the new leader for Brownsville Community Improvement Corporation, our guest. And let's talk about startups then. Recently, y'all had a competition, and it was a, correct me if I'm wrong, I think a, a tire recycler that won the prize. So tell me about the competition. Um, maybe if you recall some of the folks that made it towards the end, of course, the winner. So tell me about that startup competition. Yeah, we have what, call, what we call Startup Texas. It's our seed fund program for entrepreneurs hoping to commercialize and scale their products or service in Brownsville. So, so far, um, we, I should say last month was our third, and it was our first time having it in person, so we were very excited about that. Uh, the past two years, uh, we had a pivot when we launched it because of COVID, so we'd start, we did it virtual. So, um, we have invested in nine startups since, um, years ago, ranging from technology, energy, to food and manufacturing. And so we are expanding the program to offer an accelerator within our eBridge Center for Business and Commercialization that will be opening uh, very soon in downtown. But um, our event back in last month, um, yeah, Valley uh, Tire Recycling won uh, the $25,000. We had four judges. We had nine uh, businesses pitching to these uh, four judges about their products and services that would help uh, scale their business and either either from uh, for like Jaime Diaz his thing was to actually open up um, his doors um, being the only tile recycling in the valley I think the closest one is um, past San Antonio um, the other um, seven, eight competitors they range from a prototype for a battery operated uh, bike to a adjustable bed for that would help um, you know anyone who's disabled elderly to get out of bed so it was a very interesting uh, pitch night and we had a it was well attended these businesses well this the, these startups right these these competitors for the startup seed money are these businesses that somehow still will fire up and create local jobs, or uh, yes, okay, eventually? That, that was a, that was important for us about okay. this um, pitch summit. Is you know they're not only um, doing their pitch in front of these four judges, but there's ventures, venture capitalists out there, you know, looking to see if you know what their products or services is something they want to invest in. So that, that's another reason why we do this, is not only to pitch to to the community, but also pitch to these venture capitalists. Yeah, as I explained to your, we laughed about this with your predecessor there at at, at Brownsville um, CIC. It's like a shark tank where uh, some, some of these companies eventually yeah. do find some of the money to start up and, and create some jobs. On the improvement side, what would you say is the focus right now for Brownsville and uh, City Hall and leadership? Is it still downtown and what might downtown look like five ten years down the road because i know mayor trey mendes has been proudly uh, touting improvements in downtown of late yeah you know one of our focus is uh, assist with the city for the downtown revitalization that were, that's happening so we were fortunate enough to um, be a recipient of uh, private donation to help accelerate uh, the downtown improvements that we had last year. Um, and so you're talking us, about Elon Musk money, right? You're talking about Elon's gift to, to Brownsville. Yes. All right. That's fine. Yes. We were, we were fortunate enough to apply for, uh, $2 million to help with 
with what we call our business improvement and growth program for downtown and it's to help with uh, vacancies that are downtown and to encourage vertical activation because you know downtown is such a, a large footprint in brownsville um uh, for us to grow density we need to grow up and you know many of the downtown buildings you know have more than you know a first floor they have second three four five floors so our uh, our focus is to vertical activate um, these floors so from you know mixed use to housing is important to us okay you, you've reminded me of that incubator you guys have been working on in the city of yes. Brownsville as well. So expand on that one a little bit because I know you you were telling that a few days back. Yes, that's our Brownsville, uh, our eBridge um, Center for yeah, Commercialization E-Bridge. and Entrepreneurship. It's uh, we're almost we're almost to the finish line. We're about to open our doors. Um, so we've been we transformed this thirty six thousand square foot um, building in downtown into being you know it's one of its kind south of San Antonio is pretty large. And so the purpose of it is to, you know, we recognize how entrepreneurship stimulates job growth, creates new opportunities and in industry that need them and make communities better versions of themselves. So we developed a open and advanced uh, ecosystem for entrepreneurs and we partner with our friends at UTRGV to create the eBridge Center. Um, this is our flagship project. Um, so the 36,000 square feet on Adams Street will become an entrepreneur bridge yeah. for startups and small business to scale and commercialize their products or service. Okay. And with our partners, we have programs that equip um, all startups with the skills and resources they need to create jobs, you know, access capital and scale commercially. Do you have the tenants, the potential tenants for that e-bridge? On standby. We do. Okay. Um, because of our partnership with UTRGV, um, the ECC department, they, um, they already, we've barely been doing it. Okay. Um, even before our doors have been opened. So they already are incubating, uh, you know, entrepreneurs. So they are just waiting for us to open the doors so they can just move all of their programs, all the resources and all the organizations that Sounds support great. them into this building. Yeah. And what's exciting is that we're actually going to have a patent office, the only one in South Texas. That's big. That's pretty big. We can expand on that one uh, at a later date, but congratulations, Corey, again, on the assignment. The new leader for Brownsville Community Improvement Corporation, Corey Pena. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710KURV. Discover our Facebook page, 710KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is sergio at kurv.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.